may be seated. <clears throat> I do not have a text to read. In fact, uh, when I sent my verses out in an email, I think I had about five or six verses is all. Most of it is um, mostly application. And, uh, and there's some reference to some verses. But, but I'm going to start a, a series. I don't know how long it's going to be. <clears throat> if I do individual, individual lessons, it'll probably be about 12 lessons. If I combine some, it'll be less. I'm not sure what I'm going to do once I get into some of those. But uh, I'm going to start out with two lessons that are going to be uh, set some ground for it and I'm going to teach I'm going to teach about everyday Christian living <clears throat> and um, you know the Bible reading through the Bible a lot of times it doesn't say exactly it doesn't give us exactly step by step what to do we have to dig in there and search and we have to pray and and uh, it gives us examples of people there's people in the church here that are examples. You are examples to me. There's, there's people that have strengths that I look at and I admire and I want to be more like them. And uh, <clears throat> throughout the Bible, there are people that are my favorite people in the Bible. And, and, um, but it doesn't, really, it doesn't really go and tell us exactly what their walk with God is, what they do daily. And in fact, I, I really don't know. You don't know what I do daily. I don't know what you do daily. I, we, um, we look at each other and we, like I said, I admire stuff in people here. And, and um, I don't know what your daily life, your spiritual life is like. In the Bible, you know, there's people like Moses and and David and Elijah, Peter, John, Paul, and Jesus, you know, you, you get a glimpse of it. You get a glimpse of their daily, their daily walk with, with the Lord, but you don't, and you can probably put a lot of it together and, um, and you, can, you can figure out some things if you go in and study the Bible. And, um, but <clears throat> we do know from scripture that Daniel played, prayed three times a day. It tells us in Daniel, in um, the book of Daniel, he prayed three times a day and he, he valued this prayer time. He put a value on it at, above his life because it became a, there became a, decree, a decree that that you could not pray to any other God except for, uh, except for uh, King Darius and, and uh, and he went back home, opened up the door, opened up the window, and started praying. And he didn't, he could care less. And he could have, you know, it was a 30-day decree, right? So he could have just waited, you know, I'll pray silently, kind of close my windows, close, shut myself in, I'll just pray silently. And, and uh, no, he opened up the way he did it just like he always did. And, and, uh, he, uh, he valued it. He didn't really care what happened to him, valued it more than his life. His relationship with God was more, more to him. And, and you know, we find in the Bible, balanced men and women, they were able to war, and on the other hand, be tender-hearted. 
They, were, they had great confidence in God, yet were humble, humble. They were flexible, yet rigid when needing to take a stand. They did speak the hard truth in love, and they had fixed boundaries, but were sensitive to the Spirit. And there, there's great examples of the Bible for us. There's great examples in this room of, of living for God. And, and um, yeah, I have a lot of, a lot of my thoughts here. So some, I got a lot of it actually, actually typed out. So I'm going to read quite a bit of this, which I typically try staying away from that. But, you know, we find examples of how not to live our lives. We see some starting out with their walk of walk with God good or even great and then not finishing well. We see some starting their walk bad and getting worse. We see some that start as an enemy of God and finish strong. And some, they start their life and end their life as an enemy of God. <clears throat> and uh, Jesus gives us a parable in Luke chapter 18 about a Pharisee and a tax collector. The Pharisee was praying just like Daniel that I mentioned earlier, just like Daniel, but with no results. He prayed and walked away not right with God because of his self-righteousness. And so we, we have these spiritual disciplines that made, that was so important in Daniel's life. And then we have this parable that Jesus say, you know, you can do the right thing and you can still not be right. And <clears throat> in the... Um, there, there is something that the Jews called Shema, which is, which is started out as, as Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4, which is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. <clears throat> the Lord our God is one Lord. So Shema is actually the first word there, hear. It's the, Jew, the, the Hebrew word Shema for hear. In other words, listen, listen. And, and we can also get a lot of information out of, of uh, writings of people that are not, uh, not biblical writing, but not from the Bible, but getting it from other writers during ancient writers. And, and here's one from a rabbi. And actually, the Shema started out as chap, uh, Deuteronomy 6.4, and it expanded to three, a prayer of three different paragraphs from three different scriptures, uh, verses, uh, uh, I'll just say, Deuteronomy 6.4 through 9, Deuteronomy 11.13 through 21, and Numbers 15.37 through 41. So it became, those, those group of scriptures each became a paragraph in this this prayer, and they called the Shema. And I will quote this. He says, these words commonly known as the Shema are traditionally recited by Jews as we begin and conclude each day, bookending not just our days, but our lives. The Shema is also commonly the first prayer we are taught as children and is the final prayer we utter on our deathbed. As we pass from this world, the, the Shema is a, a mantra, which is a, a statement repeatedly, frequently, repeated frequently. It's a mantra of Judaism. Its message fundamental to what it means to live as a Jew of faith in this world. So we can get some, we can get some information about daily life of the Jews from, from other literature, 
from rabbis of old. And, and so we can get a picture, we can kind of get a picture of what it's like, what it was like, and if we put all this stuff together in the Bible of what it's like to live a daily life for God. And that's really what I want to talk about. I'm going to talk about in these lessons. And uh, the Bible... <clears throat> The Bible tells us in, in Romans chapter 6 and verse 16 through 18, it says, Know ye not to, that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but that ye obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. So the Bible in, in Romans chapter 6 here tells us that we can be a servant of sin or we can be a servant of righteousness. So we can serve sin. And I was 32 when I got filled with the Holy Ghost, so I know what it's like to be a servant of sin. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 through 26, it says, and the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that impose themselves. If God preadventure will give them repentance to the acknowledge of the truth, that they, may, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who, has taken, who are taken captive by him at his will. So we understand the Bible tells us that we can be a servant of sin, we can be a servant of righteousness, we can be a servant of the devil, or we can be a servant of God. And <clears throat> there actually, in, in Exodus, it uses the book, a lot of people use the book of Exodus as a type of this, a type of being, Egypt being the type of sin, we have we have Pharaoh being a type of the devil. We have, we have Moses being a type of Christ, that he's coming and he's setting his, his people free. And then you have the taskmasters, our, our demons, our evil spirits that, that are under the control of, of Satan and under the direction of Satan, and, um, and on, which is Pharaoh. And you know, a lot of people use that as a type. Again, I'm, I'm just not a very good guy at using types. I'm just, I want stuff exact, and I, types are not exact. And so I really, I'm black and white. I don't like to be gray, and I, I, like, to, I like to study it out. I just have a tough time with types. I, I enjoy when people are really good with types, but I am not good with types. But people do. I've heard people use the, the Egypt as a type, and, and uh, you know, and then Egypt... You know, you get baptized in the, the Red Sea and your sins can't follow you through the Red Sea. You hear all that and, and it's pretty interesting. And I wanna, I wanna go through that just for a, for a little bit here. In Exodus chapter five and verse one, it talks about, I'll just read it. And afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, let my people go. And so here in, in Exodus 5.1, Moses is saying, as God, thus saith the Lord. And on the other hand, in Exodus 5.10, you have, you have um, the Pharaoh saying, thus saith Pharaoh, 
I will not give you straw. So here's the battle. We have the sin, we have, we have Egypt, the sin, we have, we have the nation of Israel stuck in sin, we have the, 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 the two masters to serve, we have God and, and, uh, and Pharaoh and the taskmasters. And then we, it says here, in Exodus chapter one, verse 11 through 14, and I will just say these, I'll read three sentences, and these are a combination of different translations, what were said in different translations, to say what is happening to the nation of Israel. It says, task, the taskmasters to afflict them of their burdens, and they built Pharaoh's cities, and they had uh, severe slavery. All their services was with harshness and severity, it made their lives bitter with hard service. And in another line, the Egyptians worked them without mercy and they were ruthless in all their demands. And it sounds like, like I said, I lived 32 years of my life without God. And it, it reminds me of the way I lived. It was a hard life. It, it, is nothing like, it is nothing like life is today. My worst day, living for God is, is, nothing, is nothing like I lived my life with no hope and just going through life aimlessly with no purpose. And being, and as some people here, um, I understand living the bondage of sin and having to daily, daily live in that sin. That sin would, that taskmaster would, would daily make me do things. The sin was, I was serving sin. And I could go through the list of things I, can, I was serving and, and people here. There are people here that know that. They've lived there. They've lived that, that life where we lived daily serving sin. <clears throat> and then Exodus 5.19 says, and the officers of the children of Israel did see that they were in an evil case, after it was said, ye shall not minish aught from your bricks of your daily task. So these taskmasters, these, you know, the, the, the type here is, we got a taskmaster just like in the Old Testament. We had a taskmaster like in the Old Testament that said, hey, <laughs> there's a daily task for you. Pete, there's a daily task. There used to be a daily task to serve sin. And I, like I said, I live there. And, and um, but I'm gonna teach, I'm gonna teach about the things that God, and God doesn't, God doesn't force us. God doesn't, you know, I live that way. And I actually, I actually wanted to change. I wanted to change. I didn't wanna do the things I did anymore. I cried, I would, I would cry that God help me. I don't want to do this anymore. In fact, my wife and we're, my wife and I were talking about that and she talked about having the same experience where she would just she would cry out God, I don't want to do this anymore. Praying to God, praying to a God I didn't know. Her praying to a God she didn't know that God help me. I I just don't want to do it anymore. And <clears throat> I lived there. My wife lived there. We lived in that position where we were, we were daily tasked 
with sin daily. And we had no way of escaping other than God. That's what we had. And um, meanwhile, on the flip side, we have a God that loves us and it is way better serving God. Oh my, what a difference serving God. And, and, but he doesn't force us to do the things. We don't, has anybody, anybody ever cried out, God, quit blessing me, <laughs> cut it out. <laughs> boy, boy, oh boy, what a service, man. What, I mean, I just felt God's presence. It was such a great service. Don't do that. Please, God, do not do that anymore. Don't. But there are some things that our flesh doesn't like to do, Right? There are some spiritual disciplines that are, it, you know, um, I don't know how to state this. We, I don't want to say we, well, we're, we're just better off if we do them. If we want to draw closer to God, if we want to be more spiritual, if we want to, uh, you know, I guess the main thing is to draw closer to God. If we want to do that, we need to do these things. And our flesh rebels against it. And... So, and one of the things about it is, is we need to change, right? We need to change. And it's, <clears throat> it's uh, interesting. And I love to see change. I love to see, I love to see new people come in the church I like to see God deal with them and see them change God. And they, they, make, they make changes in their lives and they, they get set free from sin. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to see when I'm, when I'm saying this stuff and seeing some people in, that just came into the church nodding their head. When I'm saying, I know what it's like to be in bondage of sin. I know what it's like to have the taskmaster. And I see people in this congregation nodding their head, knowing, understanding that that's the way they used to be. That's the way I used to have to serve, I used to have to serve sin. It's, it is a great thing to see that. And, um, you know, we believe in changing lives. Everyone here, we believe it. You know, we, we love it to see people come in the church. The church is in the life-changing business it's what it's all about. If this is not possible, we might as well just close the doors and go home, right? We're just another, we're just another denomination in this city that doesn't make a difference in people's lives. But the Holy Ghost receiving, repenting, receiving the Holy Ghost, being baptized in Jesus' name is what it's all about. It changes people's lives. We're full of, full of room full of people here that can say amen to that. <clears throat> Sometimes we can believe in changes in other people's lives, but we have a tough time believing in changes in our lives, right? There's just sometimes it's like, well, you know, can God really change this in my life? Does anybody have anything they want to change in their life? I have. I have something. I have things I need changed, right? 
I remember up at camp years ago, <clears throat> there was a district official that uh, it was his day to lead the service and he got behind the pulpit and he said something like, Ken, he said he was, you know, God was just dealing with him and he was, he was saying something like, can God change a 50-year-old man? Can God change a 50-year-old man? Can God really, can God deal with me and change me? You know, and I think, well, <clears throat> you know, is he really capable of fixing me? Is he capable of fixing my problem? Is God capable? You know, change is independent of age. We can be young or old. To say I cannot change because of my age is believing a lie. Nothing is too hard for God. Amen. Nothing. If I, if I say I'm too old, I'm too old, it, it's a lie. It's a lie. If I say, if you boys say you're too young for God to change you, it's a lie. Change is not dependent on how long we are in the church. We can be in for one day or 80 days. Change is independent of how long we have lived with a problem and to believe otherwise is to believe a lie. It doesn't matter how long we've been that way. It doesn't matter how, how the problem, it doesn't matter, well, I'll go into the next one, my next bullet point. It doesn't matter how big the problem is. It doesn't matter how small the problem is. God can fix our problem. And to believe any way other than that is to believe a lie. You know, and the funny thing, <clears throat> when I, I talked about that type about, about Egypt, I was reading, when I was reading through this, this like jumped off the page of, the, of my Bible. In, in Exodus chapter one, verse eight and nine, it says, now there rose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. And I thought to myself, isn't that the way it is? The, like I said, this is a type, but here's a little, a little tip for us given from the scriptures that actually with God, we are more mightier than Satan. And that's what this scripture is telling us. Is he's, all this time the Israelites were in captivity, they were more mightier than the Egyptians. And, say, and the Pharaoh points it out. He said, hey, these guys, are, they're more and mightier than us. And I got this down here. Nothing can keep us captive more than us believing a lie. Nothing. Nothing can... Not, not even Satan can't even keep us captive, but if we believe a lie that God can't work in our life and change us, we're believing a lie and we're captive to that lie. We are captive to a lie that is not the truth. Change. You know, just last week, you know, we, I remember Sister Melissa I remember Shelly and I talking to her, and she's so much, 
she's so, I, I can relate to a lot of people in here. I am extremely introverted. And God, God has changed me in that way. And, but I, she came in and she was very nervous when she would have people pray for her and she, she didn't want, I, she's probably nervous right now because I'm <laughs> more than likely. But I should have probably asked her if it was okay to. <laughs> so she, but I remember talking to her, I'm thinking she's just like me. I remember coming to church. Oh boy, I was so nervous to be, to get baptized. I remember Shelly, She's the same way as I am. She wanted to get baptized. Could we do it privately? <laughs> Nobody there? Because we, we just didn't want to be in front of people. And, and, um, and I asked her, last week I actually thought about that. And she came walking back and I asked her, are you still uncomfortable having people pray for you? And, and she was uncomfortable with raising her hands and praising. And she's not that way anymore. She said, you know, I don't remember the exact answer, not so bad or whatever, it doesn't bother as much or whatever. And, and, um, but God, God changed her. God changed her. And you can see that. And one of the things about us is it's hard, well, it's hard, it's hard to see slight changes, right? We can, like us, when we're in the church, you can't see those, those little changes. Is it, is, it a, is, our, is it a big change or is it a, a little change in our lives with our walk with God? You know, sure, I can remember, I can remember a handful or, you know, whatever, how many big changes in my life that were like, there was like a stake set down and that was a, like, I'm never going to be the same after this. You know, receiving the Holy Ghost, right? I, it's like, whoa, this is what I was looking for. And there were other things that happened in my life, and I'm sure you're the same way. There's things that happened that you, that are just, they were different. It was, it was, it was, and you knew when it happened, there were some things going through, that you go through things, and you knew when it got done that you go, I'm not going to be the same. I will not be the same when this, is, when, when this is over with or when it was done. I won't be the same. I am going to be changed. And so you have these big, these big moments, but really, the, it, a lot of times, a lot of times, it's not going to be that way. And I would say most of the time it's not going to be that way. It's not going to be some great thing. It's not going to be a huge thing. It's not going to be a, a big change. It's going to be something small. It's going to be just daily living for God. And it's going to be small change and small change and small change. And um, the Bible tells us in Song of Solomon chapter 2 and verse 15 He's, Solomon says, take us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vine for our, for our vines have tender grapes. So it's these little foxes. The Bible tells us that it's going to be the little foxes that destroy it. The, and, and what Solomon was saying, he's saying, he's, he's take us the, the, the fox. He's saying capture the foxes because these things are going to, is what's going to happen is going to ruin the marriage and our relationship 
that's what the that's the contents of the context of this this scripture it's a step in destroying love and that's what the little foxes do in our life in the in a negative way you know if we're going to get if we're going to lose out with god it is certainly not going to be when somebody walks out the door there was something that built up to it it doesn't just happen it doesn't somebody just says you know what i don't i i'm not going to just say you know what i'm going to quit living for god i'm out of here and I just walk out the door. It's not going to happen. It's going to build up. It's going to be a slow. It's going to be the little things. It's going to be the little foxes. It's going to be pretty soon you might get offended. And then you might get mad. And you don't like what this is and that is. And then pretty soon you stop praying. And then pretty soon there's no fast. And pretty soon the joy is gone. And pretty soon the door's open and you're out. I'm out. You or I. We're out the door. It's going to be small steps. Small, small steps. And Solomon knew it well. Solomon knew he, he, uh, he knew it because it was the, the marrying for political expedience, expediency, marrying women from uh, daughters of kings from neighboring kings to so there would be no war and there was peace well yeah pretty soon pretty soon it turned his heart away from god it was just a small thing it starts out of course god does not agree with that but it was a small thing it was the it was the cares of life right he built he, i mean uh, Ecclesiastes tells us about everything he did, all the, the proverbs he wrote, and everything he did. he did. He did everything. He had everything. He tried everything. And it was those things that ended up, the little things, one thing upon another, and pretty soon he loses out with God. And, you know, and Satan's in the long, he's in it for the long haul. It's, he just wants to get us to compromise just a little bit to sin just a little bit, right? The, you know, a little bit of sin, the little, the ingratitude, the impatient. Well, we don't really think, oh, there, there's nothing wrong with that, you know, there's nothing wrong with, I mean, those are just little sins and, and Satan wants to get us with the little one and add another one to it and another one and pretty soon he's in it, he'll, whatever it takes, however long it takes, You know, it's the small changes in the wrong way that destroy our life. Those are the things. So, <clears throat> so in, on the flip side of that, the flip side, I remember the steps I took, the little steps I took coming to God. I remember, I remember waking up <clears throat> in the mornings and, and praying for a little bit. And only Monday through Friday. And then I remember adding Saturday and Sunday. Well, we, went, we, we had men's prayer. I remember coming to church on Sundays. And then pretty soon I added Wednesdays. I remember adding the little things to my, to my walk with God. And it was little thing upon little thing upon little thing that got me to where I am now. Not that that's anything great, but it's not where I was. 
And that's the main thing, right? Is to keep moving forward, keep growing in God, keep having a better relationship with God. It's the little things. So why not? Why not change? Why not change? You know, one of the things is fear, right? The reason we don't, we don't change is because there's, there's an unknown. There's some, we're stepping out into, we're stepping out into an area that we've never been before. We, we're probably thinking there might be something asked of us. God is going to ask of us something that we really might not want to do. And, and I remember Brother Walters preaching a message that said the best apples are out on the limb, Right? They're out there. We got to go. We got to. We got to stick our neck out. And um, why not change? We're comfortable. We're satisfied where we are spiritually. We're just we're okay like this. I'm okay like the way I am. Why not change? We're looking at the wrong example. We could be. We could be looking at the wrong, wrong example. We could be looking instead of, <clears throat> you know, we end up looking, you know, you guys are good examples, but I know one that's better, right? If you think I'm a good example, there's one that's a way better example than I am, and that's Jesus. And if we read, his, if we read the word of God, we find out how wrong we are. And we're looking, if we look at the example of the word of God, we will understand I need to change because I, I don't measure up to this. In fact, sometimes, sometimes it's, like, it's like, come on, this is getting overwhelming. I mean, you, you, have you ever read that? You, you, you read it, and, you, and you're reading, and you go, boy, oh, boy, I fall so short of this. And, and you read on, and I fall so short of that, and this. And, and you just keep going on, and you go, is there any hope for me? Because I fall so short of that. Well, the, the only way we can, we, if, if we want to grow, we got to have an example. And the word of a God is our example of where we need to grow. And another why not change? Because I don't want to. I don't want to. Has anybody ever been there? I just don't want to. You know, that Brother Alan Oggs had, had a message in there, and he said, and I don't remember it. I, 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 I remember listening to it years, you know, probably 30 years ago. And, and even my, what I listened to for messages if I do listen to a message, I don't, my, what I listen to is different than what I used to listen to. Because, and I don't even remember, I just remember this, he's, his message was you gotta have a want to. You gotta have a want to. And at the end of it, he goes, you gotta have a want to. And he says, I just want to. I just want to. And that moved me. I remember listening to that and it moved me and I thought, well, how do you get a want to? <laughs> That's the question, right? If, if you got to have a want to, how do you get it? I want, he says, I want to. Well, how did you get that want to? And so I 
Shelly and I discussed that this morning. How do you get a want to? Well, the only thing we could figure out is you gotta ask God for the desire, right? You got, if we don't have a want to, we, we gotta, well, I don't wanna get ahead of myself, but we got to, we gotta understand that where we are, and we need to have a want to, and, and God, I don't have it. I don't have the want to. God, you gotta give me the desire. You're my only hope. <clears throat> Why not change? Change is hard. Change is hard. It's not easy to change an old guy like me. And I will go into some more about this, but um, change Change makes no excuses. I would pray if, I would tithe if, I would fast if, I would be faithful to church if, I would read my Bible if, and we can all fill in the blanks, right? Because there's no, with change there can be no excuses. It's just, uh, it's a made up mind You know, sometimes we don't see a need for change, right? We just, we don't see it. We're, we, um, we don't have time to evaluate where we are spiritually. And I think that, for me, that is important. That is very important to me. <clears throat> where do I, where do I, to evaluate where I sit spiritually. When I pray, in fact, this week, I don't remember, one of the days this week, I was praying and I was evaluating where I was spiritually. And it's, it's really a, it's a humbling deal. What is my motives behind everything I do? Why am I doing it? You know, am I doing, what do, what, do I do it to be seen of men? Am I doing it because, because it's God requires it? Am I doing it out of love? Am I doing it because the pastor requires it? Why do I do what I do? You know, to evaluate myself spiritually is, is, for me, personally, is very important to me. We compare ourselves with others and not God, and God doesn't grade on a curve, and we just have to stay above that curve. We don't read the word or let the word examine us, and we are critical, proud, or self-righteous. We don't see the need for it. If we're proud, we don't see, because we think ourselves more highly than we ought to. So we don't see a need for it if we're proud. If we're, if we're and being critical to other people, we, we, we push them down, trying to exalt ourselves higher and, and being self-righteous. Is the same way, we have no need for change. I have here three lessons from the prodigal son. You know, the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, it, all chapter, chapter 15 is, I think it's just three parables. It's just the three parables. It's the, it starts out with the, the 100 sheep and, and the shepherd loses one and it turns to the 10, the, uh, the ten uh, coins the ten coins and the lady loses one and then it 
turns its one out of 10, one out of 100, one out of 10, and then it becomes one out of two where, where there's a, the guy has two sons and one, he loses one of them. And lessons, lessons, three lessons from the prodigal son. Number one, we have to know where we are. The prodigal son, prodigal son was in, in the pig pens, dirty, undernourished, and smelly. Number two, we have to know where we want to go. He had to know that he wanted to go to the back to his father's house. And number three, there's no change will take place until we say, I don't want to be here anymore. My father's house is better. That is the only way we'll end up having change. <clears throat> the only way we will change is to understand we need change. So who makes the change? Is it God or man? Who makes the change in our life? You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18 says, But we all, with an open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. And we understand we understand that it's the Spirit of the Lord that, can, that does the changing in our life. I understand when I received the Holy Ghost, it made the difference in my life. And, it, and if it, well, it made, a, it made a difference in my life. In fact, when I, that, that was a Sunday night, I received the Holy Ghost in our living room the next day, I carpooled with a guy from work. The next day, I got, he would come and pick me up at 6, well, 20 after 6 every day. And I would, we would take a company, car, a company truck to work. And he swung by, picked me up. I, I got, went out the door, walked down the driveway. I opened up the door and closed the door. And he looked at me and he said, you received the Holy Ghost, didn't you? That's what he said to me that he said there was something different about you. And in fact, I seen him, you know, we, we still talk and, and uh, probably, I don't know, five, 10 years ago, what, I don't remember how long ago it was. Yeah, it was 30 years ago I received the Holy Ghost. He said to me, remember when you received the Holy Ghost? You walked, you opened up the door of the truck and got in the truck and I said you received the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost was, was a game changer for me. It was made the difference in my life. And so I understand that. But Hebrews, of course, Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, but without faith it's impossible to please him. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So number one, according to Hebrews chapter 6, is we believe. Number two is we get rewarded if we believe. James 4, 8 says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify, heart, purify your hearts, ye double-minded. So James 4, 8 says, James 4, 8 says, says draw, draw nigh to God and he's gonna draw nigh to us. And then it says, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. So here there's, He's telling us to draw nigh to God, and he's going to draw nigh, but he also says there's, there's a responsibility for us, too. There's a responsibility there. So 
<clears throat> Brother Ballestero has a, had a message that God does what we do. If he forgives, we will forgive. He went through a whole list of things with what God, God will do. And, and um, so there was, um, I don't remember what the guy, the brother is up at camp. It was Romaine, but that wasn't his name. He was from like Illinois or somewhere over there. And, and, but he, he taught a message he taught it from Acts, and he said, he said, he was reading, and he's, he's reading through it, and he said, where Peter gets put in prison, James gets killed, and Peter gets put in prison, and he said that he coming across, and it says, and the, the angel smote him, woke Peter up, and he said, put on your put on your, uh, basically, put on your clothes, put on your sandals. And he says, he says that to him. And then he, he said, why is that in there? He was told to get up. He was told to get up and he was told to put his clothes on and his sandals. And he's, he's scratching his head and he's saying, why is that in there? And, and he said, he said this, he said, he said, we do what we can do and God will do what we cannot do. And he, and he said, he said, he goes, God told, he was, Peter was told to get up and then the chains fell off. And then Peter was told to dress and put on his sandals and then the gate opened up. And he couldn't, he couldn't remove, Peter couldn't remove the chains and he couldn't remove this, the open up the gate and God took care of those. So we have a responsibility. Whose responsibility, let's stand. Whose responsibility is it for change? It is our responsibility to do what we can do and God will do what we cannot do. He will take care of those things that we can. You know, it, was, it looked like it was impossible for me to get out of sin. And if I, I repented... And sure enough, God did what I couldn't do. He took care of it. And we will continue on next time, a couple weeks from now with the rest of this. Let's pray as we're dismissed. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and kindness. We pray, Lord, that you'd be with us in this service. I pray, Lord, that your word would fall on good ground. I pray, Lord, that you'd help each and every one of us to change, Lord, that we would do what we can do so you would do what we cannot. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. You're dismissed for about 10 minutes. In Jesus' name.